Hello, and welcome to the Journey Church podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, hey, Journey family, so glad that you guys are tuning in with us today at the last online service that we are having together. As a reminder, no Zoom after this meeting, but next Sunday, September 12th, we are back at the Midway Theaters, 10.30 a.m. for a service. Do not need to register, uh, but understand you do have to wear a mask, all right? So whether you're vaccinated or not, please be aware that you're going to have to wear a mask. But we are so pumped and excited. Live worship, live teaching. I'm going to be kicking off a new teaching series called Detours, what to do when life gets in the way. How do we readjust and continue to follow God's call? And we're going to talk about a pivotal message next Sunday, September 12th. But today we are in between series. So, so last week we finished our summer playlist series where we've been looking at the book of Psalms. And then as I said, next Sunday we're meeting online or in person, not online anymore. But for the past basically 18 months, this has been the way that we've communicated. In the beginning, it was me having an iPhone and just kind of communicating back and forth. But for the past 18, 19 months, this is how we as a church have remained connected. And I want you just for a moment to think all the way back to March 11th, 2020. Where were you March 11th, 2020? And what was life like for you on that day? I'll never forget it because for us, March 11th, 2020 was the day before our son's ninth birthday. And we surprised him with a trip to Disney World. So we were in LaGuardia Airport getting ready to fly, to board our plane so that way we could fly to Orlando and have a great time as a family for a little mini vacation. And right before we're about to board the plane, I hear about this word called a pandemic that this talk of this random virus that was in Wuhan, China, had slowly migrated its way to America. And now, on March 11, 2020, they had called it a global pandemic. Now, before then, the only time I heard the word pandemic was in a TV show or some sort of spy movie thriller, right? To watch out for pandemics and terrorism and things like that. And so it didn't really cross my mind of how bad a pandemic could be or how bad it could get. Well, by the time I had landed the plane, or again, I wasn't flying the plane, but I was in the plane. So by the time our plane landed, life was just upheaved. It was crazy. Right At that time, I was checking Twitter, uh, and everything was just going nuts. The Dow Jones had dropped uh, 10%. Uh, the president was going to address the country at the end of the day. Tom Hanks and his wife had coronavirus. They were canceling National Basketball Association. They were canceling college basketball tournaments. They were canceling Major League Baseball about to start. And it was like, what in the world is going on? And I bet you remember where you were March 11th when everything changed. We never got to have a Sunday service that Sunday. I remember flying back home early Sunday morning, running to the church office, propping open up my laptop to record a quick little message so that way we could have something for Sunday and just be ready to worship together online. Little did I know that we would be meeting virtually 
for the next 18 to 19 months. And so today what I want to do with this time that we've got, because this is our last Sunday preparing as we head into in-person services, which I want to encourage you. I know you might be concerned, a little bit worried, but I want to encourage you. Godly community is incredible. It's something that you and I have missed deeply to worship in person, to be with one another and to hear the word spoken over us. And so I want to encourage you, make every effort as best as you can to come be a part of our services next Sunday, 1030 a.m. at the Midway Theater. But as we're here today, this is our last Sunday together online. This is my last chance to talk to you virtually. And so I began to think back of what lessons have I learned over the past 18 to 19 months? What lessons have you learned over the last year and a half? Now, why is it important to define these things? Well, why is it important to look at these things? Well, I think if I could boil it down to one verse in the entire Bible that talks about the importance of all that we've experienced these last 18 to 19 months, it would be this. It's found in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. The words here, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we might gain a heart of wisdom. I think it's safe to say that before the pandemic, we tended to live our lives as if we were invincible, right? Like I know death is on the horizon, but it's, it's down the road. I'm fairly healthy. I just had a physical life is good. My cholesterol is not where it should be, but still it's fine as long as I do things and I exercise. And so a lot of us, we don't really see that our days are numbered, right? And so the pandemic kind of forced us to consider that, but it says why, why do we need to understand why our days are numbered. It says, so that we might gain a heart of wisdom. And so I want to encourage you, these last 18 to 19 months for all of us have been life-changing in so many ways. Take some time and write it down. What did God teach you? What did God teach me during this pandemic? Why? So that we might be wiser and better because of it. And so what I want to do today is I want to share with you what, what I feel like God taught me over the last 18 months, four life lessons that I want to share with you as a church. All right. So here's number one. The first life lesson that I learned during this pandemic is this, is that life is short, right? Life is short, but then also go for it. Life is short, dot, dot, dot but go for it. What I mean by this is that every single one of us knows someone personally that lost their lives to this pandemic. For some of us, it could have been a family member, a mom or a dad, grandmother, grandfather. For, for others of us, it could have been a, a coworker, someone that we knew, and unfortunately they passed away because of the virus. Some of us, it might be a church member, someone that we knew at church that now that we're meeting back in person, they used to attend our church then, but now they don't because they passed away. Others of us, it might be someone we know on social media. Maybe we know a friend, a college friend whose parent died or a college friend whose spouse died or something along those lines. Every single one of us has been impacted by this virus one way or another. And we likely know someone personally that lost their lives. 
For some, it might have been an older person. For others, it might have been someone young and healthy. And I think what this whole pandemic has reminded us is that death is inevitable. We all will, and we all know that we will face death in our lifetime. That yes, there's a birth date, but then also there's a date of death. And not to get morbid on you and all that, but I think it's for us to realize that life is short. And so what that means is that we got to reprioritize what's important. Because oftentimes the urgent replaces the important. Things like time with family, things like living out my calling in life, things like living out my purpose that God has called me to. A lot of times they take place over the urgent. I got to get this job done. I got to make sure I pay the bills. I got to do all these things. And so oftentimes the urgent replaces the very things that are important. And I think for all of us, this pandemic, we realize that life is just too short. And the reason why I say go for it is because too many of us, we live with regrets. Too many of us live with this one day mentality. One day I will apply for that job. One day I'm going to go back to school and get the degree that I really want. One day I'm going to ask that person to marry me. One day when everything lines up, I'm going to pursue God's call for my life. I think this pandemic taught us, let's eliminate the one day and let's do it today. Let's do it now and let's go for it. Let me share with you just a quick passage in the Bible. This is a passage that kind of haunts me and I want to share it with you. But in Genesis chapter 11, if you open up your Bibles to that, uh, I got my physical Bible this time, not the iPhone or anything. But Genesis chapter 11 we know Genesis 11 to be about the Tower of Babel, right? That all these people built these uh, this giant structure and they wanted to aspire to heaven. So God confused them by giving them languages. Then in Genesis chapter 12, we are introduced to the main character of just about the entire Bible before Jesus, this guy named Abraham, the father of Israel. But at the very end of chapter 11, we see these few small verses that talks about Abraham's dad. And I think these few small verses are really important. Let me share with you this. It says here, verse 27 in Genesis chapter 11, it says, this is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Then it goes on and it talks about this, but it says in verse 31, so we understand uh, that Terah is Abraham or Abram's dad. Verse 31, it says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abraham, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. All right? So you get this idea that they lived in this little city called Ur, and now they're setting out to this journey called Canaan. Then here's the next key part. It says, but when they came to Haran, they, they what? They, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Now this might make no sense. If you just read the Bible casually and you're reading it like no big deal. But Canaan is another word for the promised land. 
So could it be that God was calling Abraham's dad, Terah, to set out from Ur to go to the promised land, but somewhere along the way, he stopped and he settled there. Genesis chapter 12, verse one, the very next verse, the very next chapter, it says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. And Abraham sets out in this journey, which eventually becomes Canaan, the promised land, the land of Israel. Now, I believe this passage is so powerful because when I look out at so many people today, so many people have passions, aspirations, dreams, callings that they feel like God is challenging them to. And somewhere along the way, they stop and they settle there. Now, God doesn't want that for you. I don't want that for you. God did not call you to live a settled life. He did not call you and I to live a comfortable life. God called us to seize life and to achieve the impossible through him. And so my question back to you during this pandemic is maybe this pandemic has caused you to to settle, to throw in the towel, just kind of say, I'm going to go for average instead of what God has called me to. Don't do it. Life is too short. Go for it. Because on the other side of you pushing, God can give you the breakthrough. So that's the first step. Number one, life is short. Go for it. Do something. Step out of the box and pursue what God has called you to do. That's number one. Number two, the second thing that I've learned is that rest is important. Rest is so important. And the challenge I want to tell you is that you're probably not getting enough of it. Probably not getting enough time for rest or a Sabbath. I mean, we know the stats, right? That the average New Yorker works about 55 hours a day. That was pre-pandemic, right? Now for you, maybe the average New Yorker works 60 plus hours a day. Now you're on Zoom all the time. From the time that you wake up, you've got emails waiting for you that you've got to send out, that you've got to process. There's projects that you're behind on. There's new tasks that are adding up each and every day, and you just feel completely overwhelmed by it all. You're staying up late to get things done. You're waking up earlier to try and get more done and get ahead, and you just feel like you can't get ahead of the cycle. If there's one thing that this pandemic taught us, is that life can go on and you can take a break. Some of you, you struggle with this. I struggle with this. I, by definition, I think I'm a workaholic. I struggle to just sit and be still. I've always got to be reading a book. And even if I'm reading a book, it can't be a fiction book. It's got to be something with truth in it. It's got to be either a Christian living book or non-biography or business book. And so for me, it's really hard to settle down and relax. But here's what I know. If you don't take time to relax and rest, your body will tell you to. And the consequences are going to be far worse and far greater. So rest. Take it easy. You're probably not getting enough of it. And I think it's so important for us to realize this. In fact, when God called the Israelites out of Egypt and into the nation of Israel, Exodus chapter 20, God instills to the people of Israel these 10 commandments. 
And what I think is important is if you look at all the Ten Commandments, he starts off with, you know, do not have any other gods before me. Do not make an idol. Do not curse. And then before he gets to these other important ones, like do not kill, there's another one before that. The fourth commandment, he says this. He says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, he says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in the towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in it, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now this is so important because back in the day when the Israelites were in Egypt, they were slaves. Slaves forced to work all hours of the day, every day of the week. Their worth as a slave was what they produced in their work. And so God tells them that you need one day off. And it's a holy day. It's a Sabbath to me. Why does he institute this? Well, because what he's trying to shape the people of Israel for the very beginning of their nation is that your worth is not determined by what you produce or for us, what's on your resume or LinkedIn profile, but your worth is in what your creator says about you. And see, I'm guilty of it myself, that sometimes I chase down that rabbit trail of my worth is based upon my work. My worth is based upon what I produce. No, no, my worth is found right here in God's word, who he says I am and what he's called me to do. So the first two steps or first two things that I've learned in this pandemic is life is short. Go for those dreams. Go for what it is God has called you to do. The, the second thing is that rest is important. And you and I, we don't get enough of it. And so we need to reevaluate our periods of rest. The third thing that I learned, the third truth that I feel like God spoke to me was this idea that health is vital. That, that you and I, we need to make changes today for our health. And what I mean by this is it, it can be broken down into many different areas, right? There's spiritual health, right? Our, our relationship with God. There's relational health. So many of us, we've been isolated from our friends and from those that we've connected with over the past year and a half, and we become isolated. And so we need to repair those relational connections. Another area of health that's important is physical health. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment for me. Uh, and then there's mental health. There's emotional health. All these areas are areas that are so vital for us to pay attention to. Uh, for me, when the pandemic first happened, uh, I realized that I was overweight by a lot. <laughs> uh, I was not just a little bit overweight, but I was the most that I have ever weighed as an adult. And I knew I needed to make changes, but it was hard. I mean, Seamless knew my name. They knew my credit card. They knew everything, right? The places across the street, the, the Thai place. Oh man, I love Thai food. McDonald's, come on, somebody preach it. McDonald's ain't as bad as what you think it is. Still pretty good, those French fries. 
almost smell it right now. I, I love a good New York slice of pizza, whether it's Gloria's Pizza, Nick's Pizza, Brooklyn Pizza, any uh, anything, just not Sabaros, but any type of pizza in New York City is good. And Two Brothers, too. They're, they're a little sketchy. But, you know, for me, food was a big deal. And I knew I needed to make some changes. And so with the disruption of not meeting regularly on Sundays, with the disruption of not having to go to the office and be around people, I realized I had a little bit extra time than I normally do. And so I thought, this is my chance to exercise. This is my chance to lose weight and to get healthy. I mean, for all intents and purposes, for the first six months of the pandemic, restaurants were closed. You couldn't even go in the restaurants, you know? And so I set a goal to just lose a certain amount of weight each week, met with a nutritionist to make sure I was doing everything correctly. And, and about six months into the pandemic, I lost a total of 55 pounds, 55 pounds. Yeah, no, it, it was incredible. I felt great. I felt in the best shape of my life. And I say all this to say, honestly, if I can do it, I know you can too. Just a little bit of determination, a little bit of grit and a little bit of follow through and you can be healthy, whether it's physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is. You've got to get healthy. Jesus says this. He says this when asked, what is the greatest commandment? Mark chapter 12, verse 30. He says this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Then he also says the second is this. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So we've got to learn, what does it mean to love God with all of our heart? What does it mean to love God with all of, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength? I think it's that balance of all those areas. So I want you just, while you're watching this, why not write a list down right now of all these different areas? Physical health, spiritual health, emotional health, mental health, and relational health. And give yourself a grade from one to five. One being not doing a great job at all to five. Like, hey, we're pastor, we're knocking this out of the park. And I want you to identify what is the one or two weakest areas and develop a game plan for it. How are you going to be better next month so that way you're not in the same place that you are today? If it's spiritual health, maybe it's getting a routine, waking up early, putting on some Jesus music, downloading some devotional plans to read. If it's mental and emotional health, maybe it's seeking out a counselor, someone to talk with, someone to just help process some of those anxious thoughts that you've been having. If it's relational health, maybe it's just coming up a list of three people that you need to talk to by the end of this week that you're just going to reach out, do a Zoom call and just reconnect and touch base Whatever it is, develop a game plan for it. Uh, I remember a, a quote that, that a, a famous person once said, I can't remember who said it, but he said this, that he who fails to plan is planning to fail. He who fails to plan is actually planning to fail. What it means is if you don't have a game plan, don't complain about life being not so great or don't be, complain about being off because you need a game plan to get better. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. 
And so you've got to get healthy. That's one thing this pandemic taught us is that we've got to get healthy. Now, let me give you the last point. Number four is this. Time with God, there is no substitution. Our time with God, there just is no substitution. It's so important for you and I, as followers of Jesus, to get in this thing called the Word. Now, why why is the Bible so important? Well, Well, because Jesus literally breathed the Bible down to these authors so that they could write it. He inspired the Word so that years later we can read these examples and have them as lessons for you and I to follow. And one of the things that I love about the Bible is that, honestly, if you look at any mythological book, usually they push their heroes in these amazing, almost godlike figures, right? Like Zeus, right? He was the strength of the Roman Empire and, you know, all these different books. But in the Bible, we really don't see that. We see Jesus was an ordinary guy who just simply gave up his life for you and I. We read about the disciples. We read about Abraham and Moses and David. All these guys were flawed. Some of them made worse mistakes than you and I would ever make. And yet God still uses them. And God still gave them words to teach us to live by. But see, so many of us, we'd rather get a word from CNN. We'd rather get a word from Apple News before we look to the word of God. And if I could just say this, time with God, there is no substitution. Hebrews chapter four, it talks about the importance of God's word and why it matters, why it makes a difference for our everyday life. And I want to read this to you. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. It's so important. But he says this. He says that the word of God is alive and it's active. It's not this old, sterile, dry, boring book. No, it's, it's alive and it's active. It says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Now, also, Paul, when he's talking about the armor of God in, in the book of Ephesians, he says that the Christian soldier, the Christian person, the only weapon they have in battle against the enemy, the devil, is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so if this is your only weapon against the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, the devil who is the prince, the ruler of this world, how much are you in God's word? You see, scripture says that it's scripture. It's uh, scripture says that the Bible is so sharp. It's like a two edged sword. And here's my concern, because we know in the Bible that it says that we fight not against rulers, not against countries, even though we see war in countries today. But our fight is it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against the evil forces in the spirit around us. And my concern is that when we go to battle against the devil, we don't stand strong with the scripture, the word of God, but instead we stand strong, not with a two-edged sword, but we stand strong with a butter knife that is meant to be used to put butter or or cream cheese on a bagel. Or or instead we, we try to fight the devil with 
this little water gun. You know, let me squirt the fires of hell with this little water gun. Have at you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And sometimes I wonder if God is saying, no, like you're called to do so much more. Put down the water gun. Put down the, the butter knife. And let's really engage with the devil through the sword of the spirit. But here's the problem. If, if you don't know his word, you're never going to stand strong during changing seasons and changing times like this pandemic. That's why it's so important to get into God's word. And so I want to encourage you more than anything else. Dive into his word this week. Develop a plan. If for you, you, you have a Bible reading plan in your phone, but you catch yourself on Facebook and Instagram a little bit more than actually reading his word. Go old school, man. Get, get, the, get the physical pages of the Bible, all right? And read it yourself. If you find the Bible to be a little bit too boring, get a new translation. I recommend start with New Living Translation. It's a great modern twist to bring the Bible out. But if you, if you get stuck, maybe try the Message Bible. If you're reading the book of Numbers and it just feels dull and it feels boring, read a different book in the Bible. Start looking at some of the minor prophets. Start looking at some of the letters that Paul wrote to the early church. You and I, we, we have no excuses when it comes to access to God's word. And also, if I could be honest, we have no excuses as to why we're not prepared in God's word. So I want to encourage you, stop approaching the devil with a butter knife. It's time to, to man up. It's time to woman up and get in the word. Because this is the only tool that you can use that will help you win and succeed against the devil's tactics. So read his word. Now, these are four lessons I'm sharing with you, right? Life is short. Go for it, whatever God's called you to do. Rest is important. You're, you're probably not getting as much as you need. Health, it's vital. Where do you need to focus in on? And how do you make changes today? And God's word is primary. There is no substitution for his word. I wanted to end today by looking at the same passage that we looked at the very first online service, Psalm chapter 46. And we read this together in a, in a time where there was a lot of uncertainty. I felt like that this Psalm was timely. It was appropriate for our church. And as we're looking to head back to meeting again in person, weekly services, I believe this is still just as appropriate. And I want to read this to you. And I think, let this be your guide. Let this be your strength as we continue to navigate the tricky season. Psalm 46, verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he's brought on this earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bows and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still 
and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, we read these pa- this passage in these verses 18 months ago. And we read it a little bit in fear, right? The Lord is with us. <laughs> God of Jacob will protect us and deliver us, I hope. But you, you've made it this far. Our church has made it this far. And I can confidently say that if God has carried us through, he will continue to work the good work in you and in me. Let's trust in him. Let's depend on him and take these lessons to heart and live them out. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this message. Thank you for the reminder of the importance of of getting healthy, the importance of, of learning lessons during a pandemic. And God, in some ways we've gotten these lessons right. In other ways, we've gotten these lessons wrong. But God, I pray that you would help us no matter what. Surrender our life before you. Put trust in your hands and simply follow you and the prodding and the leading of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray if there's anyone here who's never placed their faith or their trust in you, that that we would have this opportunity right now that we would feel the Holy Spirit's leading to to, to surrender our lives before you, to simply say, God, I believe, I I trust in your son, Jesus, and, and I want to know in my core and in my heart that you and you alone are God. God, I thank you for, for protecting our church, for keeping us healthy, for, for keeping this relational network together. And I pray as we take that next step as a church to meeting back to weekly in-person services, I pray that you would give us the strength, the confidence, and the ability to reach our community like never before. God, you didn't die to make us comfortable, but you gave up your life so that we could live on mission to see our world changed. God, I pray you help us do just that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.